I think it's 52 hits. 52? Wait, who won 52? Was that the the Warriors Joe, back in the 15th? Joe, Joe DiMaggio. Oh, Joe, well, 56, actually. 56. Yeah. Come uh, on now, dude. We're a wow, baseball good podcast. For the we have to get that number. No, I actually, don't, I actually don't know what the record is, but yeah, they are now in first place in the Eastern Conference, and I think it's 15 or 16 tonight. I remember that the Lakers, Wilts Lakers, had won. I think it was Wilts Lakers, not Wilts Warriors. I'm going to say Wilts Lakers had won 33 in a row. Because I'm pretty sure the 95-96 Bulls threatened that record. But I don't think they broke it at any point. Um, Are there 17 games left in the regular season? Could we be on record watch here? Uh, oh yeah, I'm pretty confident there are. We got who do they play that you think we're 44 and 17, so that would be 61 games. There's yeah, there's room. There's room here. 21, oh. 21 See, to go. I don't really get juiced up for it until it's a record chase, but uh, yeah, the Bucks are phenomenal. They're rolling. They're rolling, and I I had to tell Tom because I know he's a big Bucks fan, big it's huge fantastic. huge yeah. basketball fan. Yes, right, right. yes, indeed. That's yeah. the big orange ball, right? That they throw through a hoop. <laughs> Not sure, honestly. Okay, <laughs> there are there are people, and I don't people and their experience of colors confuse me more all the time. There are people who swear a basketball is brown. Yeah, well, shade of well, brown. Wait a minute. The ones that were on the playground, maybe, but not in the NBA. That's that's what I would say too, but there are people. Brown. Certainly not the ABA. <laughs> I've decided to just do a, a soft rolling introduction here. Like like I re- I started recording us and I plan to keep this because I, I consider it pretty good. <laughs> okay. I jumped in like mid-sentence. Hey everyone. Uh right. this is episode 20 of This Is Not a Rebuild, a podcast that is definitely about a rebuild. Kaseya Suzuki's hurt. Uh he pumped up all those great big muscles and then pop went his oblique. God dang it. Uh, so we're here. As you can tell, we're already guarding our hearts by talking about basketball instead of <laughs> Chicago Cubs less than a month out from opening day. No, we're confident. Uh, it's tonight. We're just a three man crew. We've got DJ Fox. Hey, hey. Tom Nurse. You love me. You really love me. We really, really do. And me, Matt Trueblood, uh, Todd Trueblood also uh, just got way too hulkingly strong over the winter and uh, is nursing his own oblique strain tonight. Mm. But we're expecting him back much sooner than I think Saya will be back in the Cubs lineup. So that's that's a good thing. He's on assignment. Yeah. On assignment, as they say. Always on assignment. The question is, from whom? Is the assignment and is the assignment really of a, a desirable nature or not? And I don't, I don't even know the answer to that tonight. Mm. But here we are, and uh, yeah, 
Giannis has like completely gone to the next level. Am I wrong about that? You're not wrong. It, Is he the best player? Where he's at like a per minute played, he's at like a 50 points a game scoring rate. He's just not playing 40 minutes a game like the workhorses of the game have traditionally done, right? Yeah, he's kind of turned into that player that everyone knows is the best player, but he doesn't play enough minutes now because he's on a great team uh, that he he just isn't going to get the MVP votes that are enough to win it. So he'll get second or third for forever. But, I mean, and yeah. whatever. Yeah, the yeah. not winning the award is annoying. Jordan lost a couple of awards literally just because the writers got sick of voting for him for MVP. Um they would give it to other people just to keep themselves interested. But what really fascinates me about Giannis is his scoring rate is completely off the charts, despite the fact that in this era where the way that everyone else in the league has hacked scoring is by shooting the three ball, he still doesn't do that, right? Wow. Like we still throw this weird party on Twitter every time he hits one three-pointer. <laughs> yeah, he probably shoots like two or three a game. Yeah. Wow. He does it one or two points at a time. Yeah. The old way, the old fashioned yeah. way. So I, I mean, we have we have this consolation at least. Um it, it is when most people are listening to this, we are exactly four weeks out from mm. MLB's opening day. Um it's really it comes up quickly for spring training having theoretically started earlier than usual to accommodate the WBC a little bit. It already feels like we're moving, you know? It does. Uh, we're seeing like regular lineups, not just the Cubs, but many, many teams. And guys uh, staying in for two uh, or three at bats. And... Yeah. Did Did you see our maybe on the edge fifth starter today? Wisniewski. <laughs> pretty, oh. pretty nasty again. Beautiful. Yeah. I will say, so the results looked quite good. And uh, I watched it, and the stuff was good. I still see some of the things where, and I don't know, and maybe I'm watching with too critical an eye because I think of myself as a high guy on Wisniewski. But I still see some of the stuff where I'm like, "Mm, okay, when the games count, guys are going to grind him out a little bit. He's going to have to be, everything's going to have to be a little tighter than he was today. But it was his first spring outing for two innings. And on March 1st, it was really cool. I'd say the Cubs pitching has been, I mean, it's very early, but it's been pretty impressive first week or so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Guys? Well, they've had a couple of blowups, but I feel like it was from guys that you don't really care that much if they blow up. Like guys that hopefully they're not relying on. um, Right. That's what always happens in spring training. You look at the box, oh, the Cubs lost 13 to 5. Crap. Right. And then you look and you see, you know, there's eight pitchers. You're like, oh, 10 of those runs were given up by guys I've never heard of and will never hear of again. So that's okay. Right. And it was a split squad game. <laughs> a split squad, yeah. Just all guys you've never heard of. Yeah. Right, right. Some 13th round pick from two years ago gave up six of the runs in one inning. And yeah, it, it just tell his everything. grandkids about it one day. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> I, I did see an article in the latest, like, injury report for the Cubs. And obviously it was, it was say, uh, uh, Valley, I think was on it. And then it was four guys I've never heard of. And I was like, yeah, I think we're okay. 
okay for now. So what's your over-under on the first game, uh, first real game that counts for Seiya? Hmm. May 1st? Oh, that's what I was going to say is May 1st, yeah. sadly. Yeah, I think that's where you got to put it. I'm, I'm still kind of tempted to take the under just because I think they're, if anything, they're slow playing this, and they, they might even be slightly overstating the severity of the injury because it makes it a lot easier to justify holding him out of the World Baseball Classic. Ah, right. Um, it, you know, normally, if a team comes out and says, yeah, we saw a moderate strain of the oblique, you go, okay, they're telling us moderate. Yeah, I'm guessing it's anywhere from moderate to severe, you know, if that's what they're saying. But at this particular moment with this particular player, if it's more on the mild side of moderate, they were still going to say moderate because otherwise he and Team Japan might have wanted him to be allowed to be sent on and sort of held and, you know, train and wait and see if you can get into the game if Japan makes it to like the final or something. And I don't think they wanted to bother with that. So that's the optimistic spin on it. Um, but I think May 1st is the right line and that really sucks because it sure i guess it took this happening for me to realize how much i kind of pinned my hopes that maybe the cubs would be that surprising contender on saya and him having oh. a really good year you know yeah well, he might only he might only hit 35 now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so so how much were you joking and how much were you serious when you said he bulked up to 20? Ergo, he's on the DL. I mean, it'd be pure speculation, but what do you think? I mean, I don't I want to stop well short of saying, you know, like that whole myth of being muscle bound and stuff. We know that that was a dramatic oversimplification. That stuff was debunked 40 years ago, right? Except for in golf, but <laughs> but but each body is different. And I never felt, you know, looking at him last year, I didn't look at, say, a Suzuki and say, oh, this guy could add 20 more pounds of good muscle here in his <laughs> late 20s. It's just been waiting. And, you know, I, I thought he was pretty well filled out then. And when he came to camp this year, I did think, like, there's a lot of meat packed onto a frame that's still a pretty average size frame, you know? And I think once you do that, it does, it, it has to increase the risk in some way. And, and I don't mean that as a criticism of Seiya or the Cubs for allowing him to take his conditioning in that direction or anything. And I'm sure he was working hard on staying flexible and fluid, you know, with that those strength increase. But I don't know, I, I do kind of, I, I see some causation in the correlation, but I could be in my could be hindsight bias right in your in your professional opinion <laughs> yes my many years of medical expertise <laughs> which are mostly the three of us in a text thread talking about how to get in shape hey uh, which ebbs and flows yeah. <laughs> yeah how's it going by the way boys are we are we running are we doing pull-ups uh, how's how's the personal you know uh exercise regimens come along we are running. We are I'm running. Going to, I'm going to be back in half marathons this year. So, whoa! I uh, just signed up tonight for the 
Spring Classic 15K in Rochester, which I'm going to be getting DJ to run with me. So Okay. I thought all three of us were running that. <laughs> I was going to do the Cubs fun run walk thing, you know, if anybody's okay. interested in that, you know. <laughs> you should do that. I've always wanted to, but it's always in tax season, so can't can't swing it. Two weeks after our 15K, I'm out in Chicago for the spring half marathon. That's Tom's going to run that with me. So, oh, so that is on then. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Oh. I May twenty first, I think. So, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's going okay. We are in, especially in Minnesota, the dark, depressing, and also cold and sloppy stage of winter. Um, and I've been doing a lot of like strength training inside and stuff. My brother-in-law got me resistance bands for Christmas. So I've been doing a lot of that stuff, uh, which has taken a lot of learning because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know, a lot of it at first was this, uh, very much like a sitcom character fumbling and snapping, you know, myself across the neck with the cords and stuff, but I'm starting to figure it out. And we got a little bit of a weather break the last week or so and i've gotten out running a couple of times so i'm feeling better but still some some way to go yeah some folks swear by those bands um i've considered it but uh just haven't taken the plunge yet well if i fall into a a routine that actually works and that i don't feel slightly foolish trying out i'll send it to you and you can make your own assessments all right sounds good i mean they uh, literally were one of the biggest reasons i was in the shape that i was when i was in my best shape also kickboxing but it it's a real thing the bands work okay okay well your favorite just retired again quarterback was big on bands mr tom brady was he yeah i don't there think he go. lifted weights the last half decade or so i think it's all bands I think he was also in on a lot of other things that are controversial, but <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not talking about steroids or anything, but doesn't he have some like weird, weird eating and health habits? Yeah. Have you not read the TB12 method? Oh, you got to, it's worth, it's worth a glance. Dear oh, listeners, you, you DJ is currently in a memoirs phase. He just finished uh, the Obama book. Oh, that's right. He's working on uh, the, Whichever prince wrote a book, I I can't keep the. Harry, I'm 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 three hours left in it. There you go. And it's damn good. So next, your next assignment is the TB12 method. I'm sure it's terrible, but you've got to read it and give us a review. We could do Especially, a weekly book review thing here on the podcast. It'd be great. Right. I mean, my strategy has been the audio book while I'm commuting back and forth mm -hmm. to work each day, and I just I I. God, I hope he doesn't actually do his own audio, but he probably does. And I'm definitely not going to listen to it. No. No. But if Tom recorded it, I would I would listen to it. It's I'm not Tom sure I can get through it without not laughing. Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does things like, you know, he ingests, you know, squirrel placenta or whatever. I mean, he's just got really <laughs> out there, you know. <laughs> It's it's just bizarre, but yeah, I think he's all bands, no no weights, all bands. Okay, so here's what I I'm think hearing. that part is okay. <laughs> Tom is gonna lay down a 
an audio recording of Tom Brady's book. He's going to send it to DJ. And DJ, you're going to listen to it all the way through carefully. And on some podcast in the next few weeks, you're going to tell us exactly at what moment Giselle decided decided to leave him. Based <laughs> only on the advice in this book. I can only I take it, so much. You're weird. You can only <laughs> take so much. I think it only makes sense that either Matt or I listen to this because, you know, we come from a, a background of of quarterback play that is only with normal methods, right? Uh, no drugs in pyramids right. or yeah. trips to yeah. Egypt or <laughs> dark rooms in Oregon. Uh, just normal stuff. So I think Weird. I can speak from experience on, on knowing what it takes to be an elite NFL quarterback. So. We are so securely normal in our quarterback rooting allegiances that we can afford to judge Tom Brady. We're we're really in a good position there. Yeah. You guys don't know bad quarterbacking, do you? <laughs> well, give us a I minute. I don't want to. <laughs> give us a, give you what? Give give you a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's a safe place this week to talk about that because Todd's not here. Oh, but a little bit ill-timed because I really I, I want to get his take and maybe we need to let it evolve for another couple of weeks. Anyway, listeners to catch you up, DJ and I are Packers fans. Tom is, you know, an international traveler and no Bucks fan. Todd is a bears fan. And I really want to, I, I haven't checked in with him in about a month now on whether he thinks the bears should trade Justin Fields trade number one, what they're going to do and uh it is a fascinating and sort of an awful way moment to have that conversation but fortunately we don't have to have it at this moment anyway so we'll check in with him next week on all that um i don't know do we do we need to spin back to the cubs i kind of feel like just letting it letting it flow tonight <laughs> let's talk about, about politics <laughs> politics so and, and again back on books we've been reading i'm listening to i finally got uh the best and the brightest by david halberstam oh right yeah his vietnam book uh which was written basically while vietnam was still happening um and i'm barely over halfway through it but holy cow is it good that guy and halberstam is i don't know of our 20 listeners, half have never heard of Dave, David Halberstam and the other half know everything about him and mm. everything he's done anyway. Um, but Halberstam, I can just sort of tell you, DJ, because I don't know how well you know him. He's very well known as a great baseball writer. He's one of my very favorite baseball writers and sports writers in general. But also his main job most of the time was as like a political reporter. And he did phenomenal long-term reporting on a bunch of different subjects um so yeah i i am swept up in this have you read the best and the brightest tom yes i i i don't want to say i've read all the halberstam because that's that's absurd but uh i read that you know halberstam reminds me of paris because i had a book of his while i was on vacation in paris and I, while I was enjoying Paris, I was just so taken by this book. And I don't remember which one it was, oddly. Did he write the 50s? I was about to say, the 50s is the one of his sort of 
great works that I still have not read. Oh, and it's the one that I know you've recommended to me a couple of times. So I bet it was that one that you're thinking of. Yeah, I was just, it's just one of those things you have a, you have a great, but like, oh, I'll I'll take this on the plane with me. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a pretty long read. And it just started every day, you know, I would, I would be in the, the city of light and it's like, I can't stop reading this book, you know, and that that's kind of a good feeling. I don't feel like I'm wasting a trip abroad if I have something like that, that's just totally engaging like that yeah. was. Now, did he write October 64? Is that Halberstam? Yes. October okay. of 64, summer of 49, which is oh. the Red Sox Yankees. Red Sox. Book. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then he did a short one called The Teammates on Ted Williams, Bobby Doerr, Johnny Pesky. Johnny Pesky and and, uh, Dom DiMaggio. Yeah. Right. And that one, phenomenal. You have to get really used to his writing style before you can fully, like, I've read each of those main baseball works a few times. And now I realize that the first time I read them, a bunch of stuff slipped past me just in the the way he writes because he will he'll be sort of going through a chronological narrative of a season or the build up to a war or whatever he's covering and then suddenly he'll sort of uh, without you even noticing he'll nestle into one character one protagonist's role in that and then he goes back and like brings you up to speed on the protagonist's whole life up to that point because it's important, but it hadn't been important up until there. So you have to get used to the way his his storytelling flows. But it makes it so much better because he's so good at choosing the right moment to make a, a detour and sort of a loop and then come back to the present. Um, but this, if you were going to, so if you're going to re- recommend one book for a reader, I guess it depend on what that what that reader is into. Which which of his would you say start with this one? Probably October of 1964. Um, awfully good. Yeah. I First of all, I my favorite, this is a, a interesting question because I think there are a lot of good answers, but my favorite protagonist of baseball history, the guy that I most enjoy hearing people write about and hearing his own thoughts and perspectives and just he can be at the center of the narrative of you just telling about baseball, the entire sport from the nitty gritty to the wide angle lens, the whole history of the game. For me, it's Bob Gibson and wow. Halberstam kills it with Gibson in that book. So that's one main reason. And also it's just, there are a lot of familiar characters and he takes his time with them, but doesn't drag it out at all, which love, love, love the man, but he is occasional like, in his book on Korea, uh, The Coldest Winter, in this Vietnam book, it, it occasionally, you know, there are some details there that the story would be just as complete and a little quicker without them. I feel like 64 doesn't have anything extraneous. It's just excellent. So that, that's my recommendation. But it, it might be a testament to what a great writer he is, but there's so many, you know, you're reading this book, 64, and there's so many, um, you know, players and you know the managers or whatever you feel like this could be a book this could be a book i mean there's so many the johnny keen thing is just that still blows my mind okay you have two 
you know, you have the Yankees and the Cardinals in the World Series. Both teams, well, both teams decided they were going to fire their managers, and then both teams made it to the World Series. And then, um, so the Yankees go ahead, went ahead and got rid of Barra, and the Cardinals changed their mind. Okay, we're going to keep Keen, but he says, no, 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 I'm going to go over to the Yankees. How 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 crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, put Imagine that, in that playing term. out. Put that in like last year's World Series. You know, if the you know if, if if that happened, it's just it's just it's mind blowing. And he wrote yeah. so well about that. Yeah. No, it's it would be sort of almost impossible to imagine in modern baseball, except we just watched the Astros win the World Series, and then we all spent the next week wondering whether it would be their manager or their GM that they elected to fire. Wow. Yeah. So. I don't know that I guess there is nothing new under the sun in some ways. And also uh, it can increase your appreciation of just how crazy that Astros episode was and wasn't to realize that there was something like this going on. Um, But I have good news. October 1964 is on audible. Yeah. Ah, good. It's, it is well worth it. Uh, so both of you guys read the Obama book. Yeah. Or actually, BJ, you read both Obama's books, right? Maybe you too, Matt. No, no, no. Just just the one. Um do you, by do you mean Michelle's and Barack's yes. or yes. Yeah. I read actually she just came out with a new one very recently, too. Um, but I read Becoming, her main memoir, and then I don't, I don't remember the title of Barack's book, but yes, I read that one. A too. Promised Land. There you a go. Promised Land. I did and not is that read. A, go is ahead. that worth reading then, DJ, you, you saying? or? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it is not short, but it's really good. He's, well, he, he tells you up front, and I think we knew it even before the book was published, that initially it was just going to be one memoir for his presidency. Right. He does. Literally. He yeah. starts with that. And then he got like 30% of the way into the project and when I I'm never going to be able to do this. So it covers his first term. Wow. Um, yeah, he was going to write it in like four, four or five months. And then it took him like two years. Yeah. But now we get a second book and that that second one's going to be at least as interesting. Uh, right. Unless he just runs out of steam in terms of writing and stuff but that doesn't seem to be the way things are going for him so um i was in hyde park and the obama center is coming along finally yeah yeah nice we'll probably build five years (laughs) have you been up to wrigleyville and seen the sports book how is that coming along no i have not been there since we were there i think when when did we when was our game july Gosh, I'm maybe I was up there since then, but no, I've not I've not seen how that's coming along. I think it's for the best that I saw some pictures on Twitter. I think it's only gonna hurt our eyes and our hearts. Uh, it, it certainly hurts the heart, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. a big ugly thing appended to the uh right field corner of the stadium. But mm-hmm. I don't know. What are you gonna do? So, uh, uh, World Baseball Classic starts in 
uh, a week or so. And the first uh, USA game is on a channel that I can watch. Me being uh, having just free TV through the air. It's actually on, uh, I wrote it down on my calendar behind me, but the light's out. I think it's on Fox, mm-hmm. like at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday night. I guess there's really nothing else on on Fox. So like, oh, we'll show a baseball game. So that's this that's Saturday? Kind of fun. Not that? this coming Saturday, but next. The uh, right. The 12th or something like that. Yeah. So the week before the madness? Yeah, I think so. It's timing out well that way. Get people interested and engrossed before March Madness can kind of sweep and draw them all away, right? Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Have you guys gotten to actually watch any spring training action yet? Like, just in the flow of a game? I really haven't, unfortunately. Taxes have uh, overtaken me. Yeah. It's amazing. I have noticed, though, Matt, you know, following games just, you know, with my free app, is it my imagination or games really moving along? Because you'll check something that's like the sixth inning and you look down again, it's like, gosh, this is in the ninth inning already. So so that's what I keep seeing. There was like a 15 run game and it was over in two hours and 25 minutes. Is or that right? Yeah. Wow. And that's what's like, you know, 16 pitchers. I mean, too, it's right? still spring. So yeah, not, not quite the level of care, but still. Well, Brewers wasn't there the walk-offs clock violation too? Sorry, Matt. Yeah. No, that's you're right. And that's that's worth uh, touching on is that they're enforcing it strictly and without oversensitivity to the situation just to make clear to everyone that this is this is going to be a thing. You need yeah. to get used to it. You need to make the adjustment. We are not, you know, accommodating you at every turn. Now, now's the time. Now's the right. time. So that's, uh, that's good. You know spring training games end in ties all the time. I don't think anyone cared over much in that particular <laughs> right. moment. When that happens in the ninth inning of some regular season. Game, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. A different uh, kind of walk-off win <laughs> for sure. <laughs> someone, someone called it a clock off, which I, I like. Uh, but really what is, what's surprising to me, or, or maybe it's not surprising, but, I don't know. It, it doesn't match the way I have been thinking about this is that a lot of people are losing it over that. Like, how could you let ah. a game be affected by this rule? And I'm like, have you never watched a game be affected by a shot clock violation in basketball yeah. or yeah. by yeah. not getting a playoff? I mean, the Eagles didn't get off a play in time uh, during the Super Bowl. And on the next play, after a five-yard penalty, committed a fumble that completely changed the course of the game and led to a touchdown for the Chiefs. I mean, delay of game is a penalty in other sports. It just hasn't been one in baseball recently. I think the difference is, and it's weird because the one difference, one reason why we even have this pitch clock is because everyone, including the league and the players, have arrived at this idea that the only thing that is baseball that is like baseball being played is when a pitch is actually being thrown when action is actually happening you know a pitch is being thrown or a ball is put in play we don't count the time in between pitches as part of the game 
in any way, in any meaningful way. But I think it is. And I think that's why the pitch clock makes sense and should matter because now it, you know, it affects how long a pitcher has to recover between pitches. Right. It affects how long a hitter has to recenter himself and get ready for the immense, immensely difficult task that is locking in on and seeing a pitch well and putting a good swing on it. It also affects how long, you know, if a pitcher is having a terrible inning, I saw, I think it was, I'm trying to think, it was the Brewers starting pitcher today, who is actually a, a relief candidate, but he was having just a brutal time in one inning. And the Angels put like five straight runners on base and he ended up facing eight batters in the inning before they could get him out of there. Part of it was the clock. The clock is going. You got to keep pitching. You can't wow. just stop and suddenly start taking 40 seconds between right. every pitch. You're struggling. Right. And when the, when the games matter and teams really want to get a struggling pitcher out of there, you want oh, to have crap. a clock on it that says, you can't have your guy who takes 10 minutes out in the bullpen to warm up out there warming up and you just kill all this time in between. You've got your mound visits. That's part of clock management in baseball now. Your six mound visits per game. You've got the 15 or 20 seconds between pitches, but you don't get to just double that and hem and haw and stall. And, <laughs> and so artificially work around the fact that your guy is out there playing badly. Now you have to face the consequences of you're not able to keep up. You're not able to hack it. That is a great point. Kind of I hadn't cool. thought of. Wow. Yeah, we I know. I, well, I hadn't necessarily that, thought that of it in of advance it. either. What'd you yeah, say? We all, just, we all just accepted that that was part of baseball. Like, you know, he slowly goes back to the mound. Oh, right. yeah. There's a guy warming up. I and know. Get up ready in time. And now it's yeah. like, shit, I might have to actually pitch to this guy. Yeah. And I love it. I, I, That's kind of cool, actually. I hadn't anticipated it, but now I see just this tiny taste of it in spring training, and I look ahead to the regular season, and I say, there are times when that's going to matter kind of a lot, and it's going to be awesome. It's how it should work. And now we can, you know, when you hear, you'll hear analysts sometimes who genuinely think a home run kills a rally, which has always been a silly argument, right? <laughs> like. You're down five in the eighth inning. Yeah. And you get a runner on base and someone hits a homer. Well, okay, you're now you're down three, but now the rally, you know, the rally's not on or whatever. That's always been silly, but now it's silly on its face because you've got a struggling pitcher in there. While the clock is ticking on him before they can get anybody out of there, hit him. You know, punch him in the nose while they're in front of you, stagger it. That kind of stuff is I just think everything on the field takes on this little bit more urgency. Um, so do you think a lot of relief pitchers are going to walk into two balls on the count already? <laughs> well, I, I have I seen. Mean, and Kind of, right? Like, Wait, so how might, would that work, DJ? So, with, with... so it, it might take a pitch or two for the the coach to say, okay, we are going to the bullpen. Now that guy comes into a one L count or a two L count, which was very rare before, but it might just be fairly regular now. Someone did a study and found that lifting guys in the middle of plate appearances has become like 
slightly, slightly more frequent an occurrence over the last few years anyway, just because teams are being more proactive about changes. Maybe they've got like pitch level data that says, oh, this guy does not even have his release point. Get him out of there. I don't know. It can be lots of different things. But teams were already starting to do that. Yeah, I do kind of think that could accelerate now just because people are going to say, people are going to want a guy out as soon as possible, but not be able to get him out until the middle of an at-bat. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to wait for the whole at-bat if I think I right. can get this guy in to, to put out the fire. Yeah, now, before you just you just don't throw the ball, right? Right, exactly. Maybe, maybe the ump yells at you, who cares? Well, yeah, or you can't hit it if I don't throw it. This is the other thing. Right. Or you throw over four times in a row. You know, you got a runner on base. You just those you can't pick off that. throws that are just lazy yeah. and not targeted at anything. That's gone out too. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and I, wow. I was watching the first inning of Cubs Brewers uh, yesterday, Tuesday. And uh, in the first inning alone, Victor Caratini threw behind two runners, which I also love because I think because a a back pick by a catcher doesn't count against your pickoff limit because that's I not wouldn't think so. Yeah, right. So are we just going to start seeing the entire league become Wilson Contreras hiring yeah. behind <laughs> runners? Holy crap! That's how you'll delay the game. Well, it 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 will delay the game. <laughs> that's true. Just a tiny amount. Wait but a minute. What it'll really do is. Now it's the catcher's job to hold runners in an even greater way. Wait a minute. Than it's ever than it's been in decades. Because how much time does the how much time does the first baseman have to give the pitcher back the ball? So the ump can order the clock started even before it gets back to the pitcher wow. if he feels like the team is delaying oh, okay. the game. Um, but that's within discretion, and it's not going to happen very so, often. So are we going to start seeing the old football move where there's a injury timeout? <laughs> no. Too? That's, yeah, I don't know. That'll be another interesting thing is. Well, what are the chances to... that they have to change one of these rules midseason because of unintended consequences? Between all the rules that have been changed, not just those things, but the shift rule too, um, I think there's probably like a 30, 40% chance that something gets changed midstream this year. My best guess would be the shift stuff, just because I think teams are going to work around that really hard with like sliding their left fielder over to play that deep second base position against the lefty, things like that. And I think they might legislate against that pretty quick. But I don't know. I, it's It's been fun to watch play out so far, and I think that that'll continue. All right, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to do a little more uh, free-flowing discussion. Or aren't right. we? Oh, yeah. I mean, because, again, if you have a limited set of times you can throw over by a pitcher but not by a catcher, well, now especially after that second pickoff throw by the pitcher, if the runner starts taking just this big old secondary lead, but they don't go, then the catcher's going to throw behind him and have a decent chance of picking him off. 
that cat and mouse is going to be interesting. interesting. Is there going to be greater motivation to play the I accidentally or I did throw it back to the pitcher and I don't have the ball. And now that guy still has the ball and that's going to come back in the game. Yeah, I I don't. I'm not sure how well you got to find other yeah. ways to get guys off the base. Right. And keep them honest. Right. The, so they're going to try everything. Yeah, no, I I think the so the uh, one of the funny things that happened at like the first full squad uh, workout for the Mets, they like an hour into things kicked all their beat reporters off the fields so that they could do proprietary drills, which turned out to be specialized pickoff plays. And yeah, I think some version of like the hidden ball trick is involved in that. I don't know what it's all going to be. Do you remember um, well, it was uh, the 2016 NLDS Cubs Giants and the Giants, I think it was right away in the first inning Giants put a runner on base and it was Lester on the mound and everyone knew about his fielding and throwing bugaboos, right? <laughs> and so the sense was it might've been Gorky's Hernandez who was up and everyone kind of knew he was going to bunt. But the everyone also knew, well, the Cubs put on this very aggressive bunt defense, right? Where Rizzo would crash in. So he's like two feet away from the batter by the time the pitch arrives, that kind of stuff. Um, well, on the first pitch, they did sort of a modified pitch out up and away, knowing the batter would pull it back. And Rizzo is crashing at him, but the bunt doesn't happen. And Ross jumps up and throws behind because Javi had come all the way over oh, from second base, wow. ran like 70 feet, and they backpicked the runner. I'm sure teams are going to be trying stuff like that. Things that just are a result of, can you be thinking, you know, if you put on a set play in the rhythm of a timed, a timed game and with so many kind of extra variables in place, especially at first as everyone's getting used to it, if you put on a set play, can the runner adjust to you fast enough to not get caught? Um, that'll be cool to to watch, although I don't know how long any of that lasts, right? Like, you can surprise a guy once, you can surprise him a couple of times, then it's going to end up on the advanced scouting report, and teams are going to know what's coming from you. I think Unless John Lester was kind of a proof of concept for the uh, having the rule limiting the number of pickoff throws. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he wasn't totally run out of the league, you know. Right. In, in fact, he was very successful. So it's like mm, this could work. <laughs> Although I don't know how uh, he might have really tested the the twenty second clock once runners got on. Sometimes he'd stand there and stare a guy down for five seconds just out of the set position. Yeah, right. I it's interesting too because you know to hold on guys other than throwing to the base, you need to vary your times to the mound right yep. like everyone yep. knows that and as we've seen in the last couple of years pitchers have gotten i mean borderline illegal in the things that they are trying to do constantly the pause the step this way and that way and yeah. throw across your butt pause twice so now b baseball came out and said also we're gonna attack the balk so yeah. it's like yeah, explain okay. that to me. What 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 changed in that rule? 
did they simplify it? I mean, there used to be like, you know, 14 different ways to balk. Um, I mean, so, in my opinion, I assume we still don't know what a balk is. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know I don't. <laughs> but we're going to start calling them. <laughs> well, I, every time they talk about increased balk enforcement, I get so nervous. I wasn't even <laughs> alive for it. But Tom, you remember 1988, right? When they or from like 86 to 88 they decided to increase balk enforcement and suddenly box didn't like increase by 20%. They quadrupled and pitchers were losing it because they didn't know what they were doing wrong or how to right. fix it. And I'm not sure how well umpires knew. They just knew they were supposed to be calling more box. So they did. Um, yeah, that one's, it's going to be interesting. I think some of it just grew out of, if we're going to have a pitch timer, that says you have to have started your delivery by a certain time. We've got to have a clear, when have you started your delivery? So some of the elaborate windup stuff um, just had to go out as part of that. But I'm less sure about why they're um, increasing standard balk enforcement, like with regard to runners on base, because I guess I don't know. I, it feels like I, you're already giving runners enough of an advantage. When there's a ticking clock, the runner knows when you have to start your motion, you know? And uh, if there's limited pickoffs, then the runner sometimes will know that you can't throw over without taking a risk of just sending them on anyway. Um, so I don't know. What's that? I, I don't fully understand the purpose of also stacking added standard block enforcement on top of this but what i assume the same i assume the same individuals that are on the committee to determine what a balk is are also working with the nfl to determine what a catch is sure and, and we'll definitely for sure figure it out some <laughs> of the great philosophers of sport mm -hmm. and they'll come up with terrible answers just like the nfl oh, absolutely it's going to be bad i honestly think the balk enforcement is going to be the worst, one of the worst things about this season. I'm calling I, it now. I kind of think it's one that, so unlike in the late 80s when MLB didn't really have its stuff together, and once you told the umpires one thing, you weren't going to successfully get them to do something else for quite a while. I think if that part starts to get out of hand and it feels like it's not working, They'll just pull back on it real fast and say, yeah, we didn't, we didn't need that part. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Right. I hope you're right. Like Tom said, I, there's a decent <clears throat> chance that there will be some midstream change with this. Do they need to clear that with the union? A lot of these didn't have to be. So the union would have been, they could have, bargained and you know come to agreement with the league on this stuff but partially because it a lot of it overlapped in timing with standard cba negotiations and partially just because um the league wanted to go a step further than the players wanted to go on a lot of these things and the need for compromise just wasn't there what they ended up doing instead was manfred said okay we're doing this and he can just unilaterally do that as long as they give the union 
one year advance notice of it. So they had to make the decision and then have, you know, like that, that waiting period of sorts, but that happened and they can now put in the rules without union approval. Mm. Uh, and certainly they don't need any union approval to just change things like enforcement emphasis on uh, the Bach rule or like they're, they're going back to more thoroughly they're again redoubling their efforts to thoroughly check pitchers for sticky stuff as oh, they're they coming are. off the mound. Okay. So that stuff, that is all just, we're going to better enforce the rules that are already in place. So that doesn't need any union input. And even for this other stuff, they basically just said, we tried, we talked to the union. They weren't willing to do what we feel needs to be done. So we told them what we're going to do. And now a year later, we're allowed to just do it. So... I wonder if velocity is going to go down uh, because these fireballers aren't going to have all day to reload. And imagine how valuable relievers are that can get ready quickly. So maybe there'll be more junk ball pitchers. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I'm really, oh. really anticipating this. I think it's going to be great for the game. I think we're going to look back and we're going to go, gosh, baseball, you know, from about 2015 to 2022 was getting, I don't want to say boring. It was never boring to someone like me or us, but um, it's going to be a better game. It's going to be better. I'm convinced of it. Hold on. Do the, do the statistics of speed a guy throws to time he takes between pitches. Is that, is that linear? Not exactly, but there is a relationship and hmm. this is, so here's a fun thing. Um, one, the main person who is responsible for me resisting the pitch clock for a long time is a Canadian physiologist, I think was his technical discipline, a medical doctor, biomechanist, -me whatever you want to call him. Um, Could have finished last in his class, but yeah. His name is Mike Son, and he's very smart about this stuff. He created a stat called fatigue units that had to do with velocity, pace, you know, time between pitches, because he studied this and he knows that, you know, there is a difference between 20 and 30 seconds between pitches when you're going to the absolute maximum of the human body's ability to, to do this complicated movement, right? And the injury risks involved, the impact on velocity and performance, it's all real. And uh, the magnitude isn't tiny. Um, but I think we got to this point where that research is valid, but they're putting the pitch timer in place anyway, because it's just going to make a better game and pitchers and teams are going to have to adjust. Here's the really neat part. This past winter... Oops. The Cubs hired Mike Son as their new baseball scientist. Huh. So clearly, they think, uh, look, if we're going to have the pitch timer, we should have someone in here who is an expert on what that, what the implications of that are going to be for our pitchers and how it's going to change the way they need to pitch, the way we need to prepare them, all of this stuff. I, that's not necessarily his whole job with them, but 
I'm betting that he has a lot of input on that. And he's coming into the organization at just the right time to have maximum impact. Wow. Somehow we got him in the Astros and the Dodgers didn't. Go ahead, DJ. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like this. You just told me that pitchers are going to get hurt more. We've already had too much of that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, again, that's why I was resistant to the pitch clock for a long time. I am at this point, And I think, I think the people who ultimately advocated for this and created and shaped the rules and everything, including Theo Epstein, um, that whole committee, they're aware of this research too. And they aren't, um, they aren't indifferent to it, but they ultimately were like tough. I mean, on balance, we have to have guys prepare and pitch differently. And hopefully then the injuries, the increased injuries won't happen, but it'll be because people have to throw a little bit less hard or uh, condition themselves a little bit differently or be used in a different pattern. Uh, maybe fewer back-to-back days and longer outings when you do pitch out of the bullpen, that kind of stuff. But, you know. So do you think, do you think there's going to be <clears throat> an increased in, an increased likelihood that if a guy gets up 0-2, instead of wasting a pitch, he takes the one-ball penalty to just kind of compose himself, Whoa. reload, wow. and then throw the pitch he wants. Sorry about that. It's, I, I mean, is that going to – is that – Moose, is that a real thing? I – love that question and i don't know i've been waiting to find that out too we'll we'll see i haven't heard anyone say they're going to do it i don't think most pitchers are comfortable admitting that it's something they would like to do um but i do think some guys today on the cubs broadcast it was it was just jim deshays and ron coomer calling the game two color guys um so they were having a lot of just sort of conversation around yeah, things. Right. Right. Um, but JD, well, actually the two of them were both talking about when there's a runner on base, especially, and you're, you're the pitcher, or especially if you're the catcher and you feel like the pitcher's starting to rush himself a little, getting out of rhythm, struggling and just trying to get a pitch off, but maybe not actually ready do you use one of your disengagements within the at-bat, one of those step-offs, just to collect yourself? Do you signal to a guy, look, we know we're wasting the opportunity to make a pickoff throw. We know it might increase the chance of a stolen base later in the at-bat, but do we want to just take this moment, have you collect your breath, get refocused, and make a good pitch when you make a pitch? That's doing it without an actual penalty or at least not as big a one. But yeah, I'm sure at some point this year, we'll see someone like a Kenley Jansen. Um, I even, Hayden Wesneski had one pitch clock violation today that I felt like he sort of was okay with. Oh, he was really? like, huh. I, I don't need to have gotten this one off at this moment just because I need, I, I was going too fast and I needed that. So yeah, I to think, a certain... go, go ahead. ahead. To, to a certain point, sp- speeding up just to make a pitch isn't 
isn't more beneficial than maybe just taking a ball that they can't hit also. And like you said, when you first raised it, count leverage is going to matter a lot. You know, like like in 02, uh, a ball doesn't matter very much. If it's 1-1, then it does. And so then you're, you know, you got to make a different calculation. I don't know. I I really like that. I think it's going to be really interesting. I also think um, you might see if, and and this is a reviewable thing, so you're not going to get away with it very often. But I kind of wonder if when it's 0-2, you'll suddenly see a shortstop maybe try to lean across second base a little more than they're actually allowed to, or a second baseman drift back onto the outfield grass and just see if the umpire will catch them or not. Because if they do, okay, one, two count. If they don't, you get the pitch off, then you fielded the ball. You know, you're in a better position to field the ball successfully. Now, like I said, if the other team spots you doing that, even if the umpire doesn't, they can challenge. And they, if they win the challenge that you were in violation of the rule, they can choose to either take a ball or if, the pitch was made and the batter got a hit anyway they can choose to take the result of the play so yeah yeah so it's uh can you just can you just imagine zambrano playing in this environment (laughs) where he loses a pitch because a guy crossed over second base and he just i mean there's going to be some dugout arguments i i do think those ones will be rare and i think you make a good point that like the pitcher probably doesn't want to have a ball assessed to him you know pitchers are very protective of the count they that's their job to throw strikes and manage that they're probably not going to appreciate if their defense is out there giving them balls um so you're right you'd have to have a pitcher who has a who's bought in on the idea that shifting will help and a team that is confident that they've caught an umpire sleeping or something um but i don't know like there are rules. Crazy. This is crazy. These, these are rules. They have defined penalties, and those penalties aren't so extreme that it's like never ever do this, right? Mm-hmm. So teams are gonna test the limits. It's just gonna be interesting to see how often and in what ways. Um, but I don't know. It's it's already it's making it. for fun baseball. And this is I've been saying for a while, when we get expansion again in MLB it's going to be an absolute nerd fest. Like the last time we had expansion, 1998, it was like people were on AOL. We didn't have anything close to Twitter. Oh, right. Nerdiness where people can like follow an expansion draft and get so excited about whole new teams and minor league systems being created and fringe guys that, you know, you think your favorite fringe guys going on the roster or what weird way can this expansion team find to build a contender that stuff's going to be really fun this is a micro version of that like we just got a whole bunch of new variables thrown into this this jambalaya of variables that we love so much that is baseball and we get to see how everybody's going to handle that it's very exciting. Yeah, you know, you're kind of blowing my mind. It's been 25 years since we've expanded. You guys are just old enough, depending on when you start following baseball, that you don't really, you didn't experience expansion. I mean, it's wild. 
No. No, yeah. just like division realignment is right, right. The craziest thing. Switching leagues, saw. division realignment. Yeah. But I mean, like, this is like this is not even remotely the same, but this is just reminding me that uh, you know, I I I watched some NBA, right? And yeah. Even in the last year or two, you've had a player for the Pelicans, Jose Alvarado. Matt probably knows where I'm going with this. Every once in a while, maybe maybe two times in a game, he would decide to not sprint back to the other side, hide in that same corner, and then when the guy inbounds the ball, he sprints up behind them where he doesn't see them and steals the ball. Like risk-reward, but in the sport where you thought you've kind of seen everything you could within the court there was a new thing that we haven't seen at least in my in my time so now we're adding more rules and to kind of break that rule the penalties are relatively minor Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna we're gonna see some crazy yeah we are crazy crazy things crazy things I mean, we're going to have a middle infielder stationed at second base for many batters now. Uh, yeah. So a, a stolen base attempt from first to second, there's going to be somebody who's just kind of there, kind of hanging out there. Um, do you remember, too, was it 2020 or 2021 when Javi just had that awful year? I think it was the first year of the pandemic, wasn't it? It was 2020. Yeah. And he was saying, it's uh, I don't have the video replay. That's what's killing me this season. There are going to be a few players. There's going to be like a dozen players whose careers are basically over. And I'm not sure they even know it. They might suspect that they might go, you know, this new stuff, this is going to mess with my head so much. My career is going to be over. And we're going to witness that. We're going to witness some guys who just going to fall. Yeah. Well, and look, I, this is not me impugning Javi Baez's mental toughness because you guys know I don't impugn anything about Javi Baez. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) <laughs> that is not something I do. Uh, but I think one thing it will show, one thing we've already seen things like it show, is that there are some people who, for whom their success in this game has been a little bit delicate, a little bit narrowly fit into an increasingly sort of optimized and rigid structure that baseball has been for the last half decade right? Um, When they started the sticky stuff enforcement back in June of 2021, Tyler Glass now of the Rays tore his ACL like a week later. And he had quotes to the media like, the league just ruined my career by changing this rule. Wow. First of all, Tyler, the rule was always there. And (laughs) secondly, I don't know why and you're always oh, you should be expected to accept the premise that you automatically had to tear your UCL trying to pitch around the fact that you could no longer kind of cheat, you know? Um, yeah, there are going to be guys for whom this sort of breaks them. And I don't know, maybe some of them will complain about it. Maybe some of them will accept it with total grace. But all it'll expose to me is that those guys didn't have the well-rounded skill set or the like i said maybe that mental toughness or flexibility to survive in a rapidly changing environment but i think that's something i want players to have to do anyway 
And part of the problem of not having expanded for the last 25 years is that there's been a whole lot of rapid change, but sometimes that change has been happening below the surface and the actual contest on the field has been sort of static, has taken a lot of the same shapes. And now we're shaking all that up. And so I, I, you know, I never, I never thought I'd say this, but I, it's almost to the point where Tony LaRussa kind of retired just one year too early. Cause just imagine what he could provide for us this year. Yeah. I, especially, I mean, some of these, I, the LaRussa where he would show off what a lawyer he was by going out there and having these very courtroom style arguments with umpires. Uh, this, some of these new rules are so well suited to that kind of teeny tiny <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be very good at it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how good all of these managers are. Cause a lot of them, a lot of the guys hired now are not hired for that kind of stuff. They're hired for managing the vibes of the clubhouse, which is great, important, more important than this stuff on balance. But then maybe you need a specialized coach who's going to be helping you stay ahead of the rules and, you know, figure out these little things because they matter too. And it's probably not the core competency of your manager. Well, how long was the, uh, like the pitch clock in the minors? A couple of years. Three years, I think might have come in in 2019 in some form um that's yeah, all levels that's like one one level then one league and then and then mostly last year it was at all levels i think the year before it was at all levels except triple a and then in the second half they put it in in triple a mm, boy that's, so there's a little bit of experience but not much i mean if this had been in the minors for 10 years at least players would have had a chance like, okay, I know what this is, you know, but yeah. Yeah. But it'll make it more fun this way. But it's as quick as from, from what we've heard it. It's also mostly well-received after the first month. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, cause by the players, I mean, by the players. By the players. Yeah. I, Ian Happ made the point on a compound pod, I don't know, weeks ago now that this is also going to affect position players just because guys are going to be, guys have to play a little faster oh yeah Um, but i find it really interesting to ask like what direction will that effect really go because yeah guys have to play a little faster guys also get off their feet faster if games are lasting two and a half hours on average instead of three you got an extra half hour of rest or exercise or recovery or drinking with your buddies whatever (laughs) whatever you prefer but like we when we go to a game sometime this year sometime this summer tom can you imagine the leisurely walk uh through downtown to get to the the metro station as opposed to the dead sprint we usually have to (laughs) (laughs) instead we're gonna get 35 minutes we we uh tom lives down in homewood and when we go to games at Wrigley, we tend to hop on the L, take it downtown, and then have to sprint from the Red Line station to catch the last, or not the last, but the last one for at least 90 minutes, the last right. one before the true dead of night, uh, train out of downtown and back down to the southern suburbs. It's going to be a lovely little walk. Now. <laughs> we, could stop, we could stop for a beer 
after we We'd stop at our favorite Mexican restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between them starting so many home games at 640 this year and oh, yeah. the pitch clock, like you're going to be that. out of there by 930 yeah. most of yeah. the time. I know. I know. I could be uh, in bed by 1030 on a weeknight game. That's incredible. And the All impact the of that for players is also going to be really cool, I think. Uh, but it's going to be fun. Going to be interesting to watch how that develops too. So one one thing that he that he talked about also, which I don't actually think was related to this speeding up of the game, maybe it was, but he talked about how important the coaches are to uh, giving signs and and telling people what to do because he said you would be blown away at how many major leaguers do not correctly read signs from their, their coaches, yeah. right? Like so much of their thinking is just being told to them because they have so many people in place to tell them what to think. Right. Which makes sense, but you can also understand how to a certain extent you'd kind of get dumber and not be, not be thinking about the normal gameplay that maybe you're thinking about before you're in the majors. Huh. So two things, how much are sign calling just going to be, much simpler because you only have so much time and then it's it'll just be interesting to see how players react to if they're if they're like is it going to be quicker and simpler or is it going to be quicker and more difficult when right. they're already struggling to know it is it just going to kind of yeah. go away I, well is every team going to have four new pickoff plays now because those are going to have to come with signs and right. uh our team's going to be stealing more bases because of the bigger bases and the limitations on uh, throwovers and stuff, because then you got to know your signs better. Do teams want to hit and run more? Now the shift limitations are in place. <clears throat> and you can kind of predict where holes are going to open up in the infield. Got to know the signs. I, I think some of that's going to come back into the game. I don't know. We're probably ascribing too many things to it, but in this small sample of spring training games so far, I really feel like there are differences and they're all fun. <laughs> so. They are because when there's a new innovation, teams quickly adapt. You know, there's a mm -hmm. better way to do X, Y, Z and everybody's on it for a year. We're going to see a divergence and we're not going to know what the right answer is. You know, the Astros are doing this. The Dodgers are doing this. The Cubs are doing that. It's, it's going to be fun. Are they just going to build this into more, mid-inning sponsor games and oh i mean <clears throat> it doesn't mean the time in between innings is affected right or is that on a clock too i don't, I don't know. know that's been I, on a clock for that that's kind of always been on a clock and officially okay. been on a okay. clock for three or four years now so but, that's not a concern well you wouldn't think so except i don't want to say most a fair number of the pitch clock violations so far in spring training games have been pitchers are having a hard time getting out there, getting all their warmups in and being ready when the first pitch of the inning needs to be delivered. We've seen some guys starting behind one and oh on the first batter of the inning, just because hmm. they couldn't get out there and get their warmups <laughs> in and feel ready for that one. Um, so I don't know, you know, they may tweak that a little bit too, because that part is not necessarily that's not slowing the flow in the same way that time between pitches maybe is. So that might be one of the places where they get a little more lax in enforcement, but 
it's all all interesting gonna be wow, fun to I, watch if it. i wasn't excited before i'm actually really yeah excited. i am too <laughs> i'm really anticipating this season yeah me too even though DJ, do you have a way to watch games like matt does i mean do you have access to watching games in any form Oh, I'd have to get MLB.tv again, which I have not because I was on oh. strike when the Cubs were not spending money. Yeah, yeah, so, I hear you. Yeah. So this is good, though. So, yeah, DJ, you're blacked out of Twins and Brewers games, right? Uh, yes, not Cubs games. But, I only run into that when they're playing the Twins or the Brewers. Yeah, right. Because of you live in Rochester, it's both teams? Brewers and Twins, yep. Huh. Wow, pretty so, crazy because Milwaukee's five hours. So right, it's and it's the not uh, a short trip. The implications of Valley Sports bankruptcy might break up blackout stuff as soon as this year, but probably not. But uh, one nice thing, if you want to watch your team out of market, and I talking to you dj but i'm also talking to our listeners if you guys if this applies to you in any way if you want to watch baseball that you're not blacked out from if you want to get mlb.tv they raised the price this year to 150 bucks a year sign up to be a member a fan level member of the mlb players alumni association 25 bucks a year Comes with some other small discount perks on other stuff, but you don't need to worry about that. 25 bucks a year for this gets you 50% off MLB.tv. If you were going to buy MLB.tv anyway, becoming a member of this, which by the way, it's a charitable organization. It's helping players who didn't make millions and millions in the game of baseball. Huh. Uh, those, 50 bucks. Yeah, you're just putting $50 in your own pocket. So do that. They send you a code via email that you use when you uh, purchase or renew your MLB.tv subscription. And it's easy and it's awesome. And it makes it much easier to justify the price of MLB.tv, especially if your favorite team is blacked out. Like for you, Tom, you're not going to get Cubs games that way. But you can watch our... uh... This is our first sponsor ad, and we're gonna put a little, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna put a little link. In Talk the, about in-game in uh, advertising. I, I've decided to just give up on the idea of no free ads. <laughs> I won't do many free ads, but I will do one for the MLB Players Alumni Association. Okay, there. I love that. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> president of the association, by the way, Jim Tomey. So we know oh. this. This is a very pro Jim Tomey podcast. Really, so all Matt, ball players from Peoria. Friends of Jim Tomey. Yeah. Money tip of the day, Matt Trueblood. There you Love go. That. There it is. We That's don't really you in your territory there. 50 yeah. bucks is real money, man. I know. It's uh, It makes a big difference in the price of the product. And I don't know. I also just kind of feel good about it because, like I said, that's more of my money is flowing toward baseball players and less toward baseball owners so at the same time you're also supporting a lot of guys that probably hate the new rules so yeah 
Yeah. Well, it's best not to think about all the individuals that your yeah. money is supporting. <laughs> Nothing stodgy than the next big leaguer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's a good thing that I snuck in a money tip because we don't really have time for a random cub tonight. <laughs> we went all over the board. This was a, a great show, though. I've just decided from now on, no agendas. When I make okay. an agenda for this show, those are our least fun episodes. <laughs> and these ones where I go in not knowing at all what we're going to talk about are the best ones. Uh, do either of you have something quick you want to throw out or should we just check off for the night? No, this was this was wonderful. I I had not thought about all the different ways the rules could affect the game and I loved it. Cool. So thank you. We'll play this back in uh, three months and see, you know, how prescient we were. Yeah, or how hilariously wrong. But yeah, either way. Right. <laughs> uh, so follow our podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can follow the show at Not A Rebuild on Twitter. Uh, you can follow DJ at DJ Fox, F-O-C-H-S, to watch a man slowly lose his mind over... Uh, the insanity of our tax system and the vagaries mm. of it at this particular time mm -hmm. of year, but in a funny way. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at M.A. Trueblood, where you can also watch a man slowly lose his mind, just not for any really good reason. Um, I'm writing a lot these days at Brewer Fanatic, a Brewer's blog site that I am co-running um writing a lot doing some editing work there and soon sometime before opening day you'll also be able to see my work at not northsidebaseball.com which is a cub centered blog site uh and community so check those things out when you get a chance again let us know what we can do better with the show what you like about it and uh we will be back next week hopefully with the full crew Again and again, no agendas. In the meantime, uh, read David Halberstam books, watch Giannis play basketball, and the Bru the Bucks chase that record. And we will see you soon. And use your discount code to sign up. Oh for man, FD. yeah. Well, that if that didn't go without saying after the last five minutes, then <laughs> people don't deserve the discount. Screw them. <laughs>
going forward as we expand our sponsorship base you're gonna have i'm list dear listener i'm pointing to dj which is also bad podcasting but you're gonna have to not ask for the ad read to start while while the reader is eating reading. cheesecake yeah, yeah there's well, cheesecake in his mouth and you're going his fault really think uh, about it yeah thanks liz cheesecake's awesome all right, so episode thirty-nine. Episode thirty-nine. I mean, here we are. We're off to a roaring, roaring start. Uh, we just got done watching two straight Cubs games at Wrigley, and we're all in one place for the first time in the history of this podcast. It didn't help. Mm. Uh, I, it, I mean, the first game was great. We saw Wednesday night's contest in which the Cubs came back a little bit. Uh, well, they More really let the Nationals come back a little bit. Yeah. Had the lead, pissed away for no reason, mm. put in a bad pitcher, took the lead again, and really just hammered it home. But Master Boney, can we just yeah. can we give a shout out to our least favorite cub? He's growing on me. Yeah, not not our least favorite. It's growing like close. a rash. It's a long list, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I think Julian Merriweather is our least favorite. Oh, right? he's Boy. he's one of our least favorite cubs. Yeah. Our, but we get ahead of ourselves. Um Young Master Boney, two strikes, mm-hmm. bunts to move the runners up, but so surprised the defense of the hapless Washington Nationals. They reached base, and that's that really provided the impetus for the five-run inning for the Grand Slam, Ted. I, I agree, I agree, but... You caught that ball, didn't you? No, I wish. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I've not caught a ball. The talk and walk added to that. But the problem with Master Boney is that okay, he bunted and, and reached base, but I guess that you know that's the we're expecting the least of him. Uh, he, he seems to have no other skills. I mean, he played a, okay at third base, but third base, you, you know, again going back to the seventies, Bob Horner and uh, Mike Schmidt, Ron Say. I mean, these guys were big, bulky. Home run hitters and Master Boney weighs 118 pounds and you know probably cries in his sleep. Well, Morat plays third and he went from 140 to what 204, 202. So um, he got the memo. So, <laughs> so I need to be bigger. It's I mean, it's not as big a problem as it used to be if your third baseman doesn't hit for power because every shortstop used to weigh 118 pounds. Yeah, so but he is, he's a third baseman or second baseman or outfielder, whatever he is, who doesn't hit for power, doesn't hit for average, and fields mediocrely. I mean, literally, why is he here? There's got to be somebody else that can do things a little bit better. I'm just, I don't want to beat up on the guy, but I guess I do want to beat up on the guy. And t- somebody tell me why he's here. I mean, we were all kind of screaming for more Patrick Wistel. Until and then tonight, tonight happened. And then, yeah. and then we all saw what happened when uh, Wisdom gets a little more run. Than well, let's face it, we got some injuries too, right? We got a couple men. We're a couple men short. Yeah. Yeah, but we're short. Nick Madrigal. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of short, and, and I'm the and biggest <laughs> Nick Madrigal fan in the room. And yeah. Swansby. That's not saying Swan- much. Swansby. Yeah. We're missing Swansby, yeah. and I miss Swansby. I, you know, I had my doubts about him early on, but uh, he's. He's he's come through. I mean, I'm happy with Swansby. But if he's in the lineup, where else playing third? We don't have to talk about. I mean, part of this is just an accident of timing, right? That that they had just finally put Morel at third after weeks and weeks of 
being very reluctant to do that. They had him play in the outfield, DHing, play in some second, and then they just moved him to third, and that's when Dansby got hurt. So, I don't know. It might be too soon to judge, but I would think when Dansby gets back, Morell basically becomes the everyday third baseman the rest of the way. Which I would be a fan of. Yeah. Mm. yeah Lengthens I mean, the lineup. And, but then, I mean, the real question is, is Morell going to be able to turn turn out to be able to handle third base? Because there's a reason they waited so long. They don't really, they've got a lot of skepticism about him as a defensive third baseman. Yeah. Well, he's one of those guys that uh, he's a good utility guy. Um, he doesn't seem to have a position. And maybe he can develop into a position, but it's probably like left field or, you know, I don't even think it's center. It's probably left field. And right now we have a left fielder, the Cornish left fielder. I haven't used that in quite a while. No, oh, yeah. So, so happy to say the Cornish left fielder again because he's kind of stinking on ice again. Yeah. Um, even though we gave him all that money and stuff. He's a second-half player, though. Second half has just started, so he could erupt these last few months. Warm-weather player. He needs to. Yeah. But it, it's it's only going to be... It's really going to be even more frustrating if he erupts again into irrelevance. You know? Right. If, he's, if he hits 12 home runs over the last two months, but the Cubs sell at the deadline in less than two weeks now, basically a week and a half... Mm. It's just going to be annoying. And, well, I mean, it's going to... Not that we should ever root for them to lose just because of draft lottery position, but last it, year they went on that great winning streak at the end of the year. It only means they, you know, it probably cost them a few picks in the draft. So. Work for the Bears. Cause, you know, the Bears ended up with a pretty good take. They get the first-round pick. First, Mr. Trubisky. Pick overall. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're not going back in time there, Packer boy. <laughs> This is just last year. They stunk. Terrible. Got the first round, first pick overall. Traded it for picks and picks and picks, and they're, they're, looking, they're looking pretty good. Yeah. Pretty I mean, a draft I mean, pick isn't as valuable like, in yeah. baseball anyway. Right. You can't trade it, but I don't know. I, I, the frustrating thing is I'm left struggling to figure out what we're rooting for. Like, do you... I don't know that it's at all plausible that they can be buyers at the deadline from here. They're a week and a half from the deadline, and they've fallen further behind the Reds and the Brewers than they were at the All-Star break. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want them to be sellers, and yet, you know, a part of me does at this point. It's like, don't... Your chances are way too slim for you to hold on to Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman on those chances and risk them walking yeah. away at the end of the year for nothing. And, uh, I guess this is probably a stupid question. I thought of it tonight and didn't uh, say it out loud because it was kind of depressing already. Um, it, it, does does HAP have value? Is that something that we could... I, I actually talked to Matt about this. Yeah, His contract isn't obscene. I mean, he, he could for be moved. Take on. Yeah. He could be moved. He, he's a great defensive outfielder. Um, obviously, his hitting has been quite poor the last month or so. Still yeah. drawing walks. Not a lot of power this year, but I I don't think it would scare that many people away with his contract value. But yeah, it's it's frustrating to look at a team where we're hoping for Dansby and Madrigal to be back. 
uh, and, and then what? And wanting Madrigal to play a little more. Yeah. And, and then you realize that a lot of our best lineups are still having a catcher as our DH. And I can't think of a single playoff team where that would be the case. Yeah. So Master Boney's been the DH. And our DH is oh bad at God, eight and nine. Been a lot so that's crazy. The days that yeah. designated hitter was slotted in ninth tonight. That's not. <laughs> that's a sign that you've made some major mistakes yeah. building your roster. Remember, that's, that's where the pitcher good. used to hit National League. <laughs> you remember yeah. that? Yeah. 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 And it might have been better to have the pitcher hit. Well, yeah. When, especially when Barnhart comes up to bat too, though. Mm. Uh, at least he's consistent, and he bounces to second <laughs> most of the time. True. Well, let's have a shout out to to Gas Money who probably had a career game, a game. tonight. A game. Two trips and a single. Yeah. For our listener, we need to explain what that means. Uh, he had two triples. Yeah, but who he you? He gas, money. Money. gas Money. Gas Money yeah. is not a person. It's Jan Gomes. I believe it Jan was Gomes. Uh, the owner of Obvious Shirts. That first <laughs> originally... Are, are we not talking about Jan Gomes? We're talking yeah. about Jan Gomes. What's he got to do with the rib? Well, the, the the name gas money came. It was from a this guy. slip up by this was not Joe our, from Obvious Shirt. This was not oh. mine. At least that's what oh, we think. Okay. I, I believe he went to tweet or to create a shirt with Jan Gomes in it, and it auto corrected to gas money. <laughs> and then he said, that's "God great. bless auto correct. Can't get anywhere without gas." That's money. better than Chat GPT. I think that's what yeah. Chat GPT is: is just auto correct by. <laughs> On steroids, basically. Yeah. Gas money. That and works now for Now he's selling shirts and... Yeah. Okay, my feet, my knees, and whatever the hell you guys are talking about makes me feel really old right now. I don't know what Chad GPT is. Chad GPT is a guy. <laughs> Chad GPT is a really good idea is what <laughs> it is. That's really, a funny... Really good looking yeah, guy. Don't tell anyone else. Oh, That's oh, an right. SNL sketch that just needs to be that. written. AI. GPT. Uh, so-called artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah. I heard that. Yeah. So, um, but speed. career games. We saw two career games. Young Talkman. Uh, yeah. Is he young? Is he yeah, young? what did he do? He had a home run, yeah, a couple of doubles. Youngish. Yeah. Eight yeah. total bases. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. Gas Money comes back tonight with seven total bases. Mm-hmm. Moved up the career uh, triples Active ladder. Trips. Significant. <laughs> Almost on to Almost the leader on the board. list. Mm. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Watch your ass, baseball reference, because he's coming. <laughs> and he's going to be pissed. Okay? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Certainly is going, going to be. You know. Losses keep piling up. By the way, Jan Gomes, gas money. Could they could get more than gas money for him in trade this month if they choose to. Mm. Yeah, so. no kidding. He's playing really well. And that. Mm-hmm. that Everybody needs a catcher, right? Yeah, oh, no right. Okay, I'm just going to go out here and say it. Just sell. Yeah, I don't Just think. do it. We lost tonight. Yep. Let's just sell. Let's see a stroke. See a belly bomb. Season's over. You know, we hardly knew ye. Um, Gomes, I don't know. But, you know, okay, Stroh's going to come back. I got the inside scoop on this for our listener. <laughs> Oh, he's coming back next year. Do we? He's, it's like he's taking a two and a half month he's vacation. Well, I would have been happy with that, but he 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 was not good tonight, and he's been not great the last. Tom DJ, can, should a major league pitcher be expected to get more than three outs in an inning? I mean, he was consistently <laughs> yes, asked to get four every year. True. Four or five true. in the but first. Thing is Thank you, Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Deshaies Wisdom. What's his middle name again? Ian Cashel. 
Uh, yeah. his, his family owns a Great choice. castle. Mom and and all that means wow. shit um, if you can't pick up the yeah, ball throw really. first. You can all, own all castles in the world, Tom. No, it actually still means a lot. I think I think it's probably very comforting for him to know that if baseball doesn't work out, he's got a castle that his family Apparently owns. Apparently baseball's not working out. True. But another concerning his thing His best is thing that, all night was getting hit in the head by a... Oh, that was... Did, did anybody see that live? It kind of just yeah, shut yeah. off, though. Yeah. I was just turning and talking yeah, you're to you. Just turning I talk heard it live. You didn't even care. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it hit him in the helmet. He's fine. But it, his biggest contribution was he, his head was too big to get out of the way. Um, nice mustache, though. Non-ironic mustache. Yeah. You're, no, come on. Like, can we digress for a second? Sure. Must we do that one a lot. Listener. We yeah. do that a lot. You are saying a young man of 29... I As a mustache. I don't make the right And it's not ironic. It's just like, this looks good. Yeah. I love it. It's been too long. When I first met Tom, he was mustache boy. He could come back now. I was for years. Yeah. No, go they just full, don't do this, though. Right, fur. just actually grow the hair. Yeah. 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 I'll work on it. Uh, we're going to need more beer to contribute to continue the podcast. I'm running well. I'll, I'll grab the Should we take a break for our sponsor? Sure. Okay. All right. Hold for a word from Tarnix. 